Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We bring on the Stanimal himself, Stan Stiopkin, who we talk about on this podcast all the time. He was my youth coach in Peewees and Bantams and uh, one of the best coaches I've ever had and just taught me so much about the game and just does things so much differently, but they're so, so amazing. Uh, Stan grew up in the Soviet Union and the story that he tells on the podcast about how he got over to America is absolutely incredible. And so we go through a lot of different things from how he how he coached in Russia, how his coaching education program was, the things that he talks about is important in terms of youth hockey development. And we relive a lot of great memories where we kicked the butts of Jeffrey Lavecchio and his St. Louis Blues teams. Uh, So with that, we should bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeff Lavecchio. Vex, how are we doing today? I'm flying high, man. Flying high. Stan told us before on the pre-show that I scored a goal in a way that he had never seen before. So and when I was 16. So that made me pretty happy because well, also, I looked up also a goal that he's never seen before that I would not be able to do. He's like which makes would, me not, even, would not be able to do that. Which <laughs> happy. Uh no, I'm just kidding. Uh no, it's is very cool because I looked up to Stan so much because I looked up to you so much when I was younger and you looked up to him so much. So like you and your dad and and like you guys just from St. Louis at the time when I was growing up and like, it just seemed like Chicago was just such a better place to grow up playing hockey. And you guys had this unbelievably magical thing with Stan and your team and your parents and everything. And I really looked up to that. So for Stan to just say that to me, it kind of took me back and I was like, wow, man, like that's really cool because I looked up to him so much. Yeah. It was cool to kind of get behind the curtain for sure. And rehashing some old memories and things that you probably didn't even know of that we were able to talk about. And yeah, like the, the, the three years that I had, and I wrote about this in the blog, I can't remember which one, I think it was the fear of missing out blog, but I, I attribute so much of my coaching, like, I don't want to say knowledge, but a lot of what I do as a coach from what I learned from him. And he, he just did things so much differently than so many people do nowadays. And, uh, it's just absolutely incredible. And just the conversation that we had with him was so enlightening. And I, I think out of any of the episodes that we had, anybody that's listening to this is going to take the most out of this one. Yeah, I agree. This is, this is a really good episode and Stan just shed some light and he just talks about it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like this is what we did. And it's like, Oh my God. Like even now what he was doing back then is like awesome and ahead of the time. And he was doing this in 1995 or whatever, you know, like it's unbelievable. So very, very cool to hear and just kind of hear how he thinks. And it's just like, yeah, like why would we put in so much structure? No, just let him play. Like, I don't like that. This is, this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it's honestly like, I don't even want to talk too much about it because it's like the episode is gold, <laughs> you know, yeah. like just everything that he was talking about and uh, things from, from teamwork to skill work to just, coaching philosophy and uh there's just so many good things and it just brought so many good memories back but the one thing that for me i I worry about with with stan is you know he did things outside the box 
uh, he 100% did things outside the box and things that people had not really seen before, but was in our best interest from a development standpoint. And, you know, what I worry about with him is, is from the parental standpoint and, and allowing him to do those things because it's not the typical how you coach uh, a certain team or a certain player type stuff. And I, I think parents need to really understand when things people are doing some things differently, allow them to do it. And it's that would we talked about on the podcast like Stan would not have been able to do what he was doing had my parents and a few of other parents not been supportive of of what he was doing too and so it's just I worry about it I do because I know the experience that I had and I'm sure there are coaches out there that are afraid to coach in that kind of way for fear of the the backlash of the parents if they don't necessarily win a game or win a couple games when it's about the development aspect of it so just I worry about it, you know? Yeah, and I think that, and I don't know if Stan did this or not, but I think a way to help with that from a coach's standpoint and the, the parent's standpoint is before the season, have a meeting with the families and the players, have a meeting with just the players, and have a meeting with just the parents. And the meeting with just the parents, you're saying, hey, this is our goal. Our goal is to make your kids better eight months from now than they are today. We might lose games in the beginning because we're going to focus on development, but I guarantee you when everyone gets better, the team gets better, we win more at the end. Don't focus on winning and losing. Focus on do you think your child is getting better every single day? That's what I need you to base our success on this season, and that's what it should be based off of. And it's very simple, and if a coach says that, parents are going to be like, oh, well, that, that kind of makes sense. Now they're just, everyone's on the same page. Well, Instead of have, like, then they have to live that too, though. <laughs> it's not no, like it's right, that, that easy. <laughs> totally. No, but then it's on them. Then it's on them. But at least then when they email you or text you and they're like, why are you focusing on this? And why don't we have set power plays? And why don't we have this? You say, do you remember the beginning of the year? Do you remember what I said? That's how I'm going to coach these boys because I want each of them to be better at the end of the year and more prepared to move on to the next level as a person and as a player. That is my focus. Yeah. And then everyone's on the same page. Whether they agree with you or not, they know where you stand, and then maybe you don't have to answer as many calls, texts, emails, faxes. (laughs) And the ones that that. don't believe in that, I would rather not have parents as a part of my team that don't. So it's just like, all right, you don't, that's fine. See ya. (laughs) Don't let the door hit your butt on the way out. But the other thing too, and I, I was trying to tell this earlier, just kind of evaded my mind, but that fear of missing out uh, piece that I wrote, I talked about kind of like the three year process that we had to build that national champion team, which we're going to talk about on the podcast. And our first year we were, I mean, we were at best a, decent double a team from a talent standpoint and we just got better and better and better and better we were like the the redheaded stepchild of triple a in chicago and at that point it was just two chicago teams it was team illinois and cya uh those were the only two that were there and so we got better and better and better and we started competing with cya and and started doing better and stuff and then the next year (laughs) they took all of our better players except for me and this is something parents that we talk about all the time like who's the coach my dad and my mom did not let me play with the more talented team that had not the better coach they made me play I shouldn't say they made me because I wanted to play for Stan but they encouraged me to play for the better coach with not the better talent 
rather than go play for the quote unquote all-star team on the other side of town. So and chase wins and chase wins. Exactly. So again, that second year, we, same thing, we weren't as talented. And then by the end of the year, we were beating that team on the other side of the road. And it was like, Holy crap. And then eventually those kids were like, what are they doing over there? Why is that ragtag group of kids beating us? And so they, we like joined forces and they came and they played for Stan. And then we eventually ended up having an unbelievable year from a wins loss standpoint where we won the national championship. I only think we lost like four games all year or something like that. Um, but it just goes to show you, I mean, don't chase the wins. Don't chase the, you know, the reputation in terms of like all the stuff that doesn't matter. Like chase the good coaches. If you surround yourself and you surround your kids with good coaches, with a good parent group, it's it's everything. It's absolutely everything. And if you want your kid to develop, you got to play for the best coach. Stan was yeah. into us. It's it's pretty simple, peeps. It's pretty simple. <laughs> but he we had some awesome, awesome stories, and it was really cool to hear him say at the end of the episode how like people who are playing in the NHL that played against us at the time, they remember him because they remember our team and how differently we played the game. And the fact that he was talking and people probably couldn't understand him from his Russian accent, which by the way his accent, I understand every single word that he said. So that's an unbelievable thing for a podcast, a, listen, a listening podcast, which I was worried about a little bit. Um, it's a win for us. Thanks, Stan. It's a Stan. win for us. But Dustin Brown and Ryan Suter and all these guys that we used to play against growing up, they remembered them, and it was just really, really cool. Actually, I have an awesome Ryan Suter story that I should tell. So we played with him in, uh, in Select 16s and Select 15s at those festivals for USA. I didn't make Select 15s. Really? Oh, I got cut, bro, but I made 16 and 17, and I think I led the tournament in scoring at 17. But yeah, peace. Cut at 15. What's up? <laughs> uh, I, pe- I must have peaked at 15s. No, kidding. <laughs> Actually, the 16s year was the year that I uh, was an alternate to go overseas, and the guy told me that I, was, I wasn't I was seventeen. Enough. No, that was 16s. Weren't you an alternate on 17? Because no. I made the I You made 17s. 17s. I was an alternate for 16s. I didn't play very oh, okay. well in 17s. Um, but anyway, so Ryan Suter's story. So we played against him. Or we, I played against him a lot growing up because uh, he lived in Madison. We were in Chicago, so we would play against him quite a bit. And I remember him and I would just absolutely go at it all the time, both like just uber ultra competitive kids, like hate to lose. And like, I think he was the the, the best defenseman on their team. And I was the best forward on our team. And we just kind of went at it all the time. I'm sure Bob Suter, his dad was like, do not let that little midget score (laughs) you know, type thing. So I remember one game we were playing against them and that was the year I was on CYA. So we had the better team and, but they were beating us like four, two or four, three or something like that. And, you know, he's just giving it to me just absolutely give it to me like to talk a lot of smack and so we eventually ended up coming back and, and scoring and ended up uh going up like five four or six five or something like that so i was just started just absolutely trash talking them and and your so, trash talk is probably brutal who we not no dude i was i was a i was a psycho back in the day like i, I love to do it back in the day um, but anyway, so I just remember we go up one and then I go to the face off and I'm the center and I take the face off and I win it back. And so I, I turn around to kind of get, you know, see where the puck is and support the, the D and all of a sudden I feel this unbelievably sharp pain right on my back. And I'm like, I didn't see it. And so I just, I just go down and I'm like trying to get back up and I'm hurting so bad. Eventually I get to the bench, but before I do get to the bench, I kind of look back cause I'm like, what the hell happened? Ryan Suter standing there 
looking on top of me with the biggest like crap eating grin on his face. He, he slashed me so hard because I was talking crap to him. And we, again, we were so competitive against each other. We had such a rivalry, but now I think about it and like, that's the reason why he is so good. He's so unbelievably competitive and wants to win that uh, it was incredible. And then when we played together on the 15s and 16s, almost going in, he's like an unbelievable guy too. So it's just one of those funny things when you're such rivals, but then when you get to be playing on the same team, like everybody's a good dude in hockey yeah that is unreal it's hilarious and we talk about the competition aspect and how to program that into your practices and why you guys maybe have been were so good those those couple years because stan talks about competition in this so definitely listen for that one on this episode yeah it is funny because we even look back and i talked to the guys that i played with when we played for stan and it was a lot about skill stuff that's the stuff that we kind of remember and then hearing him talk about things and then listening back and remembering the things that we did it was all competition everything was competitive from getting on the ice first (laughs) at practice to the small games that we would play to even like little shootout stuff that we would do. And and like everything was kept score. Everything was a competition and it was unbelievable, unbelievable to kind of go down memory lane and, and uh, remember all the fun stuff that we did. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. So when we beat up on you guys in St. Louis, but anyways, we should get over to the episode, but one of the things that I need to do a better job of on this podcast is like this hockey think tank thing is growing big time and we have so many cool things that we're doing right now. So I have just some like little notifications or announcements, I guess you can say about some of the things that we're, we're doing. So for all the listeners out there, um, we are doing a lot of other cool things. So, uh, number one, we've created a YouTube page that is going to come out on Tuesday, uh, so we have a YouTube page with, uh, we've been doing a bunch of two minute tactics stuff. We have all these videos that we've been shooting. Um, so a lot more content on there from a video standpoint on YouTube. Um, I've been doing these things called AMAs, ask me anything. So last week, uh, went on to Facebook on the hockey think tank, Facebook page. And, uh, if you follow me on social media, uh, you, submitted a bunch of questions and as I was going through the Facebook and Instagram live I was able to answer all of your guys questions about youth hockey or whatever hockey uh, that was able to do so we're going to be doing another one of those next week uh, another AMA so probably on either Wednesday or Thursday so be on the lookout for that Uh, we actually are going to do some merchandise so we have some shirts that we've made yeah huh so uh, nothing crazy or anything but be on the lookout for that that's going to be coming out at some point pretty soon Uh, we have our coaching and our parent different communities now that we've created on Facebook. So if you're a parent that's looking to connect with other parents or you have questions that you want answered from other parents, you can do that on our Facebook Hockey Think Tank Coaches community, or sorry, parent community. If you're a coach that's looking for some more information to get better and you want some more uh, educational type stuff from from other people, it's a community that we created for coaches too. So those are are on Facebook. Um, So a lot of really, really cool things. Uh, I hired our cousin, Vinny, to, to come on and help me to grow the business and he's he's dude he's a plus like beyond a plus and he's helping me with the business side getting things squared away and and uh, we just be on the lookout for us doing so many more things now that this is a two-man shop and not a one-man shop uh and i'm really excited for where this thing is is gonna head because it's we want to be the the coaching and parent and player education we want to be the best 
we want to provide the best information. We want to have the biggest reach to be able to help everybody enjoy their hockey experience and help the kids get to the next level, help the coaches get to the next level, help the parents be a little bit more sane in the, in the insanity of the, uh, of the youth hockey world. So, um, so many, so many cool things. Uh, and this podcast with Stan is certainly one of my favorites that we've done so far. Yeah, buddy. Very yeah, cool. Buddy. So uh, before we do get over to that, obviously we want to thank. You want to thank Gel Sticks, our title sponsor, Jeffrey? I'd like to thank the boys over at the Jelly Stickies, the uh, G-E-L-S-T-X.com, uh, weighted training aid. You can use it on the ice, off the ice, pretty much wherever you want, wherever you use your hockey stick. Uh, we use it a bunch of different ways with my guys in the gym for a strengthening and a mobility aspect, uh, coming back from a wrist or an elbow injury on uh, a little bit of a rehabilitative uh, way. And the boys love them. They have tons of fun with them. Little kids up to NHL guys, all of them are using them in my gym and on the ice. Uh, and our code for that is think tank. One word, think tank. Yeah. One yep. word. And that'll give you a little discount. Thank You're you. welcome. You're welcome. Listeners. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then, uh, as we do always, we want to thank you, the listeners. Uh, we would not be here without you again. The fact that we're over a quarter of a million downloads right now. I, I mean, that's just insane. And, uh, we appreciate everything you guys have done for us and sharing us and giving us ratings and, and, uh, subscribing and, and all the stuff that podcasts ask you to do nowadays to help you <laughs> spread the wealth and help get the word out. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us in our mission to, to help you guys out in the youth hockey world or, you know, even the the higher levels of hockey, too, because we know we have a lot of listeners at the college and pro level as well. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We are so excited to bring to you uh, one of the best coaches, I would say, in the world. Uh, so much perspective, so many cool things that we were able to talk about with Stan on this episode. So without further ado, here is the Stanimal Stan Stiapkin. We are so, 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 so excited to have on this episode of the podcast the most anticipated guest that we've had. We've had so many people DMing us and emailing us and letting us know that we have to have Coach Stan on the podcast. So here we go. Here we have him. Stan Stiopkin. How are we doing today, Coach? I'm doing great, guys. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm excited. I'm excited to rehash some old memories of us kicking the, the butts of St. Louis without a goalie and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm jacked. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, totally. And it smells like fart. <laughs> uh, well, Stan, what we'd like to do at the beginning of the podcast is, is bring it way back and, and talk about how you fell in love with the game of hockey. And you bring such a unique perspective because you came over here, you grew up in, in uh, Russia and just wanted to ask you, how, what was it like growing up over there and how did you fall in love with the game? Yeah, I used to play whatever different sports in my childhood. And after we played the hockey in the pond and whatever outside, and we actually played, it's called bendy hockey, Russian kind of hockey. It's a big field and 11 on 11. Then later I started to play, we call Canadian hockey. It's all just called <laughs> hockey. Yeah. Yeah, and it was kind of, yeah, and then I got involved in uh, kind of, I went to physical education and sport institute in in Russia and I started to study whatever coaching because in Russia you cannot coach youth hockey without uh, special college education 
And I went to this college for four years, and I got degree as a hockey coach and a physical education teacher. And this is how I started to coach in Russia. That's amazing that they have so much of a degree that you need to get to be able to coach at this level where everybody in the U.S. just needs to go to a, a clinic for like three hours. And <laughs> that's about it. What was that education like and what, uh, what were some of the main things that you took out of it? Well, education includes a lot of things, kind of. You know, we studied psychology, physiology, anatomy, and history of sport, you know, in different countries and uh, different sports, too, because we're supposed to be like physical education teacher. In school, we have to show how to, whatever, if you teach kids how to swim, how to do gymnastics, uh, different sports, how to play different games, and whatever, we were like all around kind of, uh, kind of, we were studying all around sports, but mainly like uh, soccer and uh, hockey, my uh, my uh, kind of main, uh, major was uh, hockey. <laughs> I like and, that. That's uh, a nice yeah. major to have. <laughs> I would love I to have that. I basically majored in hockey also in college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was kind of, yeah. Phys physical education teacher and hockey coach, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. That's so funny. Well, I know one of the people that really influenced you in terms of hockey, and not just you, but all of Russian hockey uh, at, at the time that you were going through it was Tarasov. And he's the father of Russian hockey, and he changed the way that so many people thought about the game, and especially when the Russians came over to, to North America and started beating up on us a couple of decades ago. Um, what was that like being under his tutelage? And if you can, just to educate our listeners on who Tarasov is and what he's done for the game of hockey. Oh, I was really fortunate to go to his uh, seminar. It was first time it happened like uh, a long time ago. It was 1972 before Russians played against Canadians in this famous, uh, like, you know, series. And anyway, I went to Moscow for one month to study from this famous coach. We attended all these uh, CSKA Red Army practices and uh, after practices, we watched, I mean, practice on ice, we watched uh, off-ice training. And uh, Tarasa was later, he was lecturing us how to coach, and he was asking us some questions. He was challenging us and sometimes asking us some uh, kind of tricky questions. But it was a lot of fun just to learn from him. It looked like for one month I studied like, finished like three universities yeah because he was so good and kind of but he was tough he could just uh, challenge you really hard and i was lucky like uh, later i went to his uh, clinics again about three or four more times and i met him personally too and uh, kind of talked to him a little bit and he was an amazing guy that's really cool yeah. so if you can like thinking back on all of the things that you learned and being able to watch him, it's, it almost seems like Jeff, it would be like the education here would be to go watch like a Mike Sullivan. If you're in USA hockey, go watch him practice and be able to be a part of like the penguins for a month. How cool would that be for coaches to be able to do That's that? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're like right. Apprenticeship yeah. Kind of. -ish. Yeah. Yeah. So what, going back and thinking back of the time that you were able to spend with him, are there a couple things that really stick out to you of things that you learned that you really took with you on your coaching career? 
Actually, he was asking us questions, what the most important like part of uh, development of hockey, like what strength or whatever uh, quickness and whatever. And <clears throat> we were like thinking about strength and like quickness and uh, maybe even how to get strong. And he said the most important part is to develop for kids. It's just uh, agility. This was the first time I heard like Tarasov from Tarasov. Another part, he was asking us, uh, what would you prefer to work on kids' skills if make them kind of, you know, work on their, like, uh, weakest sites or whatever. And uh, we kind of, like, you know, we used to say, like, yeah, we have to work on weakest kind of sites. And he said, no, young man, you're wrong. You have to work on your strength, kind of, whatever. Because this is what your signature kind of moves, kind of. You can be average player, but you won't stand out, kind of like. Uh, but if you have, if you have something really strong, kind of, you know, quality, you have to work on this and make yourself kind of exceptional guy, kind of. You know, you can do like these things kind of better than somebody else. This is what I learned, and this is what. Uh, try to do in all my coaching career, kind of try to develop in kids their best qualities, kind of, you know, make them exceptional players. It's like you, Topher, for example, you're not the biggest guy in our team, but you're the smartest guy ever coached before. And this is what, how you build team around guys like you and uh, whatever guys follow you and you're a good leader. And you showed good example. And this is what how it works kind of in hockey. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome, Stan. Maybe uh, pull that tire pump that you just uh, inserted into Tope's uh, leg there. Just pull that tire pump away. But um, I, I, I agree, Stan. Like, especially, I think I will disagree for little kids that I think, yes, you need to work on their strengths, but I also think you really need to work on their weaknesses for younger players. But I think as you, personally, I think as you get older, if you're really good at something and you're trying to get to division one or maybe the USHL or NHL or pro, then you kind of need to find, Hey, like what's like you said, what's my signature? What am I really good at? And because I was with the Bruins, I, they kind of were always like, you got to be like Byron bits who Topher played with in college oh, wow. or like, or look at Daniel Pye like Daniel Pae, fourth liner, super fast, really good at penalty killing. And he played in the NHL for a long time by just focusing on his speed and penalty killing. So as you get up to those upper levels, I think you really need to work on your strengths because that's what's going to get you a job or get you that that role on maybe a scholarship because, hey, a team needs a penalty killer. A team needs a fourth line guy who's super fast. So I definitely agree with that. But I think for kids, I really like that you said agility. Um, and I think that goes into overall athletic ability, like just like Tof and I always talk about trying to make kids more athletic athletic not just a one-dimensional player in my opinion no jeff i agree but uh, again i partially agree uh i didn't mention this this is a big difference between uh russian kind of development in hockey and north american because we used to coach for 20 years i was coaching in soviet union i was coaching only four teams it means even sometimes uh, I had like two teams in a row, like I already had juniors, kind of about 18 years old guys. And I started to work with younger guys. The idea is I used to work with kids, uh, not just me and like most of coaches, for 
from about five to eight years in a row, the same group of kids. This is what you know how kids develop and what you have to work on. And unfortunately, in North American hockey, you just have team uh, like for one, maximum two years. This is why I got lucky when Coach Toffer, I had Toffer for three years in a row. And this is what how kind of you really see a kid like he's developing through the years and start to work on his best kind of, you know, like a signature kind of moves. But definitely I agree, Jeff, with you, like you have to work on the kind of like uh, all kind of uh, aspects of hockey. And definitely, especially you teaching kids how to skate, forwards, backwards, whatever, make some pivots, uh, shoot the puck, forehand, backhand, and this is how it works, yeah. But later, I agree with you, you, have, you start to work on some specific... Uh, it's like Makarov uh, uh, in a KHL line kind of. He was a young kid, and he was he likes to skate with the puck by himself, and coach, he saw he was doing this, and he let him do it. Even he, maybe it was maybe not good for his teammates, but he was exceptional player as a kind of uh, to skate the puck like he was comfortable to skate in any situation. Actually, Toffer was like this kind of too. He could skate like uh, in any area, like whatever, with the puck and control it and whatever, kind of feel comfortable, kill penalties and whatever. Yeah, That's and this is what difference kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I totally understand. And I have two questions. The first one will be, I think that has to do with uh, what I would call like a low panic point with the puck. Like, do you understand what that means? Uh, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, never, sure. never panicking, always having confidence. How would you like Tolf had that? Like, I think the best players in the world have a very low panic point, even like a fourth liner in the NHL versus a fourth mm-hmm. liner in college there. They just have less panic with the puck. Is there any way that you've been able to, to coach or teach kids having a little bit more confidence and have the ability to hold the puck a little bit more on the ice? Yes. Uh, actually, most practices, for probably remembers this, most of practices we start to, like, uh, just keep away. I throw, like, uh, two or three pucks in, uh, on ice and let kids kind of skate with the puck. You know, and I said, you guys, uh, whatever, keep away. And you have only two or three pucks. <laughs> it's so funny in Russia, like, we did it not because it was designed this kind of on purpose, but we didn't have even enough pucks. <laughs> we, <laughs> we just had only two or three pucks, and you want to skate? Okay, let's go. You want to have puck? Okay, go to fight for the puck. And, and that's it. And it, it's what how you develop this kind of, and especially you see how kids like hungry to get the puck because some kids like they don't really care. They they don't have puck. They skate like whatever kind of whatever. They don't care about this. And some guys are hungry. They want to get puck. They're fighting for the puck and whatever they lost puck and they try to get it back. And this is how you kind of build confidence, you know, and the character too, actually. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I think it's it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember we played so much keep away in your guys' practices. It was it was incredible. We probably did it every practice, I would imagine. But 
I mean, the other thing too, when it came to the low pressure points in terms of holding on to the puck, we played so many games. We played so many small area games and so many competitions and stuff, mm-hmm. and kept score. And there was always a, a consequence yeah. for the losing team, and it was fantastic. So, is that something like that's something USA Hockey really preaches a lot? And uh, I, I would imagine, having played for you for three years, that's something that you really appreciate too. Yeah, I agree. And especially you try to design, definitely you cannot do like all drills, like all the time, kind of, especially if you coach in team for several, several years in a row, it's kind of kids getting bored, like whatever, if you do the same drills and this will try to do, uh, like design some games and whatever, like you said, some small area scrimmages. And it's again, this uh, like small area games. I know it started in you know, USA hockey about 10 years ago. And they look, uh, it came like from whatever Russia, but it's again, we didn't design this because, uh, it's like, uh, it's kind of one of the, maybe we didn't design it because it's like, we didn't have enough, even ice rinks in Russia. Like this time it was like eighties in eighties in Russia, they had only 80 indoor rinks. And sometimes we had two or three, sometimes even four teams in on ice at the same time. <laughs> and it's like, and you divide a rink like in the three, four uh, different sections and whatever work with your team kind of, it's, it was so crowded and it's kind of, it, you have to keep your head up all the time. It's kind of life was teaching you kind of, you know, how to handle park. And at the same time, yeah, which is kind of you learning how to survive even on ice. Yeah. So four teams on the ice at once here in America, people would be outraged by that parents. <laughs> so how, I know in Russia, how, how were the parents when you had four teams on the ice? Now, parents were sitting uh, the closest. Uh, uh, it's like even Tarasov one time. One parent asked uh, about uh, the parents, uh, like in how they involved in hockey, and said the closest wait for parents, like 16th row in the building. <laughs> it means <laughs> you just sit or go all, all there, like um, go like upstairs and kind of whatever, watch hockey from there. Definitely, this uh, time when I was coaching. Uh, parents they didn't get involved yet didn't get involved in hockey at all i mean kind of didn't start coaches and whatever now unfortunately in in russia the same stuff like in north america everybody get involved and give their own opinion and whatever kind of a lot of bs (laughs) (laughs) there was no texting or email back in the 80s when you were in russia so no parents were faxing you or sending uh, pony express messages saying play my kid more or (laughs) we need full ice practices there was none of that going on jeff (laughs) jeff we didn't know what to fax <laughs> well, I think I think I've told the story before, but the first year that we had uh, that I played for you, Stan, one of the funniest stories ever was there was a parent that was causing some issues within the team in terms of you know kind of trying to undermine you and this crazy Russian mm-hmm. guy, all this doing stupid stuff and everything and and uh, then you finally were just like, okay, you think you can do it better than me? Go ahead, 
the practice is yours. Here's right. my whistle. Go ahead. And I still remember him coming out on the ice and could barely skate, like legitimately could barely skate. And we all knew what was going on. And we're looking at it like, what is going on here? This guy is an absolute mm-hmm. train wreck. What, what was your thinking behind that? Had you done that before? I mean, there's, that, that was just amazing. I haven't, I haven't done it before in Russia like that I was coaching, but it's again, I, uh, I've done this year again, like this season, because one of my parents, like he asked me, Stan, we have to work on this stuff, kind of whatever, uh, whatever defensive coverage and blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, kids, they cannot handle puck well, whatever. I said, we, we will do it later, kind of a little bit, you know, step by step. He was pushing me all the time. It's like I said, exactly like I said, okay, do it, please. And I just kind of, and one guy was actually uh, taping this kind of recording. Oh, I asked no. one of the parents, can you do it? And he put it in whatever, like, you know, in the YouTube or whatever, like we had like team access to internet and whatever. And everybody was watching this practice. They're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, kids not doing anything, whatever, something like this. It was kind of guy embarrassed himself. Yeah. He was pretending he knows about hockey, but I said like, do it. And whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, it's what people sometimes are kind of thinking like they're no, uh, but let so them do it kind of, you I- know. I think that's really interesting what we're talking about right now because you were such an amazing coach and we all got so much better from playing with you. But I would have to venture a guess that a lot of the reason why you were able to do the things that you were able to do is because my dad, as your assistant coach, had your back. And so when you did things that people really hadn't seen before in North America that people in the U.S. would kind of think is crazy but was actually unbelievably awesome – um, you know, my, my dad was always kind of there and my mom as the manager to say, Hey, like this is, this is actually a good thing. And then you didn't have so many parents, you know, on top of you and, and asking you all these questions and telling you what you should be doing and stuff. Do you think that, um, as a coach, it's really important to have a supportive parent group to be able to allow you to do things that you did? You know, Topher, this is almost like every day I, kind of thinking about this because uh, then I was coaching with uh, your dad and he was the biggest support of me. Even the first year he wasn't my assistant, but he was supporting me. I was uh, talking to parents and some parents questioning me, like it looks like, like you said, it sounds stupid from my side or whatever. Why we do this? And I remember one meeting, he, one of the parents asked me why we do this drill. And I started to explain and finally, Bob, your dad, he stood up on whatever bench and he said, you know, he's playing jazz, improvising. I said, exactly. Because sometimes I don't really have plan kind of, you know, for practice. And I start to do something that sometimes it's not working and I'm just changing. And this is what, like you're trying kind of something kind of new. Yeah. And you don't even understand like why you do this because probably God sent you some message kind of, hey, <laughs> let's do this one. You know, no, it's true. Like, you yeah. know, it's like poets. They're writing kind of poetry and kind of, and uh, it's uh, kind of, you know, they don't even know like five minutes before they were going to write kind of, you know, same kind of here. And your buffy was big supporter. Uh, luckily, I didn't hear so many things from my parents uh, directly to me because you went through your uh, mom and dad because your mom was a manager and uh, she was 
asking parents to be like patient kind of, you know, and uh, sometimes I didn't hear some, com- uh, I mean, uh, complaints kind of. Yeah. yeah. No, it was no questions. It's why we still have a lot of uh, kind of meeting with your dad and sometimes he go for lunch or breakfast, whatever kind of, and having good uh, time and good memory kind of. For and sure. This is, I agree with you. It's the biggest, actually, this is a team kind of coach, assistant, I mean coach, his assistant and manager. This is what should be grouping. You were captain kind of, you know. I remember this moment uh, we were skating against one team, and I said, guys, you have to beat this team by six goals. And uh, even we tied this team before, like one week before, like it's looked like uh, it's not easy to accomplish. And you guys won six to one, and I was happy kind of how you handle it. But you said, oh, we have to run like around rink because, coach, you said we run like every time. I mean, every uh, goal we kind of score less than six goals and we have to run around rink. I said, no, you don't have to do it, guys, because you played great. He said, no, 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 we'll run. And even guys, some guys are like uh, kind of happy with this, but you convince them just to do it. And you were guys running around rink like one lap kind of extra lap, even you're not supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah. We got to do what you yeah, told. This yeah, is you got to do it, you know? <laughs> no, I know, but some guys kind of, you know, okay, like coach said, we don't have to do it. But this is, uh, it was great chemistry, you know, I want to tell it. My happiest. Uh, time in my life oh man same with us we are so fortunate to have you and i wanted to ask you you know what was it like when you first came over here from russia because you guys do things obviously so much differently over there than than how we do it here specifically at the time that you came over it must have been a huge shock for you so what was that like first coming over here seeing the north american game firsthand and and trying to implement some of the things that that you were doing in russia that might have been a lot different than what we're doing over here I want to tell you one thing. Like, first of all, I'm really lucky in my life. And sometimes you looking back to your life, kind of, you think like something happens just by accident, but it's not by accident. It's kind of, if you do things right, something good happens. Then I was coaching in Russia. Then I finally I got invitation to Estonia to develop Estonian kind of hockey. And then I got there, like, uh, I started to work with younger guys. And uh, we had really, really good team. And uh, we went to Finland to play. And first time I went abroad, like in, uh, it was 1988 for Christmas time. And it was 12 tournament, uh, 12 team tournament in Finland, uh, sponsored by Finnair. And in our division, we played against young Americans, Chicago Americans. And, uh, before one year before young Americans, they won this Quebec tournament and looks like they were like best PV team in the world. And we just kind of team from Estonia, like probably people never heard this kind of country even before. Anyway, we beat young Americans by uh, two goals, like six, four. I remember this time, uh, Real Trocat was coaching this team. And so finally after game, we came together like, and I didn't speak any English. We shook hands, uh, hug each other, kind of, because it was a really great game. Anyway, and uh, Mr. Laux, uh, Vern Laux, he was a manager of this team, and his son played for this team. 
and he was really impressed the way how we played kind of you move puck well and whatever kind of pass to each other and the skills wise were great and he invited my team like to through interpreter like to United States uh, like to Chicago I said we cannot come I said why said, because we don't have money, we just got lucky, went to Finland, kind of, you know. And he actually said, don't worry about this. And he paid for whole trip for my team. Wow. 28 people played for plane tickets, hotel, whatever. He organized tournament in Lake Forest Academy, uh, this rink, and it was 1989. It was like two uh, best North American teams, uh, I mean, uh, American teams, Two Canadian teams from Toronto and the Montreal team from uh, Slovakia, and my team from Estonia. And it was round robin to tournament, to six teams, and we won this tournament again. And uh, next year I came again, like Mr. Locks invited me with three boys. We stayed for three months. And the next year again, he invited me, and I just just decided to be here, like whatever. And he kind of he helped me a lot. It's again, I'm really lucky and fortunate in my life to meet great people. I call him Angel. Stan, that's unreal. I mean, what a story. I mean, you talk about an angel getting you over here. So when you did get over here, um, what was that like for you from a cultural, was it like a shock from a culture standpoint, not even necessarily from a hockey standpoint? How different was it than what you were living like in, in Estonia? Oh, no questions. It was shock, especially the first time I didn't really... I focused on uh, hockey because we played every uh, every day. We played games, and uh, definitely most of the time we spend in hotel, and we have some like whatever trip to Chicago, downtown of Chicago. But most of the time we just played hockey. And the second time, then I spent like three years in the United States. It was really amazing, and Mr. Lauks, he was doing him uh, like uh, his best, kind of like to kind of to please us. <laughs> we were pleased just to be here. We were flying to Washington in a private jet, what a, like it was corporate jet, and we spent like all day in Washington City, kind of, you know. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, and uh, we had Lima and uh, whatever this uh, kind of Mr. Locks, he was doing his business. He was flying with us, but in the end of the day, we met again together in a hotel, I mean, in a restaurant, we had a great dinner, but we were like in the, even the, the capital and whatever kind of saw a lot of things like four museums. And, uh, and later I flew to Los Angeles to do some clinic then, uh, to uh, debut with the junior team. I had some kind of clinic with goalies, and uh, whatever, it was just definitely a cultural shock, kind of. Everything was new for me, kind of. Even first time in my life I was driving a car like without, you know, a shift stick, kind of whatever. Stick shift, yeah. And it's kind of a lot of new things, like new food, like everything is. I used to, people ask me, I used to drive at a Realtor Cut together in Real. We used to go to McDonald's to stop and get some food. <laughs> and he usually say like, oh, this guy from Russia. And people ask me, oh, how do you like uh, America? And I make like kind of mean face. I said, American capitalism? 
And people like, oh, scared. Like I said, I love it. <laughs> so no, it was definitely a great. I, about coaching, yeah. No, first of all, I learned too from you, especially from Real Fuerzat. He was like really kind of positive guy. Like every time, like he was like, good, good. Kind of, you know, everything. Even sometime I was disagree with him. I said, hey, Real, why don't you tell guys they're not doing right things? Like kind of. He said, no, it's okay, kind of, you know, in this case, I learned how to be positive, too, because in Russia, we used to be, like, so pushy, kind of, for kids, like, everything was, like, kind of, kind of not so good, kind of, for us. You never satisfied with what kids were doing. At the same time, I learned how to be positive sometimes, encourage kids to do right things, kind of. You know, it was a great experience. That's really yeah. cool. And I believe Rial Turcotte is uh, is the grandfather of Alex Turcotte, who just got drafted. Exactly. Too, exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if anybody yes. well, throughout the United States, but certainly in the Chicagoland area, they know the Turcotte yeah. name and very cool that you guys were able to right. uh, to hook up there. But so mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit of hockey with you now because I've learned so much. And in my coaching, I, I do a lot of the things that I learned from you. And one of the things that I think is just a phenomenal, phenomenal thing that you brought to us was first six. So Jeff, we had a first six. So typically for youth coaches, a lot of times it's, it's like a struggle to get the kids on the ice on time right? Like, I feel like it's such a big thing. So we had a thing called first six where the first six players that were dressed into the door, ready to go, they got to play three on three cross ice for a game for like five minutes while, while everybody else on the team had to do something else. So I don't know. I don't even remember what somersaults, it was. Guys. Somersaults. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what, uh, was that something that you brought over from Russia, the first six? Cause I think for all the coaches that are listening to this right now, especially the youth coaches, it was such a valuable thing to get kids almost in the mindset to be ready for practice. Number one, I'm to be excited. on time, but two, to be excited to be out there as well. Yeah. But it's like you're fighting. Like we used to fight in Russia for everything kind of, you know, we didn't have so many things to do and, uh, whatever. And we didn't have the luxury, like to have things kind of whatever, and usually, yeah, even like uh, then I was coaching uh, like my first team, we like even uh, actually uh, our club was uh, supplying kids with this equipment, but we had only 10 pairs of skates and about 10 uh, sticks for free. And definitely the best kids, they got it. And the same is everything. Like you have to fight for something. You want to play? Okay, you got to be best. Yeah, like you want to go nice, whatever first you like, uh, you have to be dressed first because some kids are so slow and whatever kind of, you know, they don't really want to go nice. And at the same time, hey, you don't want to go nice like earlier. It's up to you, but it's who wants to really go uh, earlier and let them do it. And definitely it's kind of reward. If you guys, first six guys got a nice, you game is play game and the rest of guys maybe do some power skating or maybe things like well they don't really like to do it <laughs> and next time everybody try to kind of be fast kind of whatever every time you got to be rewarded for something kind of you know and I think Topher, you were like on ice uh, all the time in the first. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it yeah. was amazing, Jeff. Like we would have in practice, you would see kids legitimately sprinting 
to get to the door because that was the rule. You had to get to the door to be one of the first six. And if you were like tied with somebody in the locker room and you were both on your skates, it was a mad dash to get ready and get going. And it was such a, it was such a cool competition. And that's something that was really cool because we did so much skill work, so much skilled work, but I feel like it all was tied around competition. We were always racing. We were always chasing somebody. There was always a score. And I feel like that's something that gets lost a little bit with everything that USA Hockey preaches right now with the skill development. But you can find a way to, to I don't want to say hide the skill development, but do the skill development with that competitiveness in mind. And like Stan was saying, fighting for things. So I, I think that's so amazing. And if you can find a way to do both, because we, we, we talk about it all the time, you have to be competitive to, to be able to make it to the next level in, in hockey. So it's just an amazing experience. And, and part of our job is to like teach kids that being competitive is like cool. Cause you know, like Stan already mentioned it earlier. He's like, you know, you're, you're out there in Russia and they only have two to three pucks on the ice and the kids who really want it, they're competing. Well, those are the kids who are just they're they're They have it innate. It's inside them. They're driven uh, naturally from an inside force. Then there's those other kids who are watching the butterflies or skating <laughs> around. They don't really care, but, <laughs> but like, like, like uh, you and Stan just said, like there's always got to be a reward. And that doesn't mean like that fake stupid trophy that doesn't mean anything. It could be like, all right, I, you got to want to beat that kid across from you. And if you don't, you know, you might have to skate. That would be a negative, you know, that's like a quote unquote punishment, but not really a bad one. And there's, that's fine. But then also sometimes make it a reward. Maybe you, the winning team gets a Gatorade. The winning team has the losing team to untie their skates. The losing like team just, does somersaults. We did yeah, a lot of somersaults, those. guys. <laughs> you, you know, like just... <laughs> It'll make it more fun. The kids will try harder. They'll get more out of it. Like it's it's very simple. And I, I always try and make every single drill some kind of competition, some kind, whether it's player versus goalie, player versus player, team versus team, power play versus penalty kill. I don't care what it is. Like always make it a competition. It's going to make it more fun. And the boys are going to or girls are going to work much, much harder. Yeah, let me tell one story about somersault before I forget, kind of. <laughs> it's, uh, Jeff, you're right, but it's kind of sometimes like rewarding because small kids, they like to do somersaults. Actually, it's so funny that you coach in, uh, older kids in the first time and you offer them to do somersault. They look at you like, what are you talking about this? Like somersault on ice. And some kids may be able to do it and show something, but the younger kids, they like it. And usually you tell uh, whatever, you blow whistle, and the last guy, if you got to me, like, and you have to do somersault, and younger kids, sometimes they do it on purpose. They, they <laughs> said, why are you skating so slow? He said, I want to do somersault. You know, but anyway, it's another story about somersault. I used to coach with this, what, 85 team, and uh, definitely, uh, Toffer, you remember this guy, Andrew Goberstein, and oh, yeah. <laughs> he played in your line. I used to get angry kind of sometimes and I kind of, you know, just say do somersault. And one time I just stopped practice and I said, Andrew, come over. And he came to me and started to do somersault. I said, Andrew, what are you doing? I didn't even ask you to do somersault. I want to tell you something. He said, just in case, coach. (laughs) (laughs) Gooby, that's so funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's again, like how people accept this, you know, some people's humor, and even sometimes you get a little bit maybe angry at something like, but if kids do right away, kind of, you don't have to repeat it twice. And you're like, okay, you're forgiven, kind of, you know, you confess in church, like, 
and you for uh, forgiven kind of you know okay you feel good about this but then you start to you're talking to a kid, do something, and he starts to complain. Oh, no, no, I'll start to explain to you why and say, oh, shit, okay, do two somersaults, whatever. I cannot <laughs> explain to you, whatever. And just, and it's kind of, you know, you have to love this kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I have an yeah. interesting question for you because I'm I'm obviously coaching in the youth game now, and, and now I'm, as I'm a director, I'm able to talk to a lot of different coaches. And one of the things that, is really apparent is you talk to a coach that's team is not doing so well and they say ah you know what it's we're just we're not that talented we just don't really have the right players or you know we have two or three really good players and then there's a really big drop off after that and some of our most successful years where we played together it was like that the first two years where I played for you we had you know a couple people that were really really good and then after that there was a steep drop off in talent so if you had any advice for coaches out there that kind of feel like they have that big gap or they don't necessarily have um, the most talented team and they're trying to get better. I mean, we, we, from where we were at the beginning to where we ended up at the end, I mean, it was the growth that we had was incredible from the best players all the way to the worst players. So what would some kind of advice you would have for those coaches that have that wide talent gap? Yeah, I just, um, every kind of player has kind of own role. Some guys even not just role, but some guys are naturally more, more talented. And some guys may be struggling with skills or maybe skating or something like this. But if you give him something what he can do best, and maybe they can do best. Uh, it's again, I like examples kind of. I remember I was coaching the mission team, a midget major team, and we played against um, Madison. And uh, Phil, uh, what's his name? And um, Phil Castle. Uh, Phil Castle. Yeah, he played for against us, and we played actually three. Uh, we played three uh, practice games against uh, Madison, and Bob Sura was uh, uh, coaching this uh, uh, team. And we lost two games and uh, talked to Bob Suter after two games and we were kind of good relationship. Even I know he beat Russians kind of in Olympics. We were talking about this too. <laughs> Miracle and ice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. And actually, I was, yeah, you know, Ryan Suter, he played for 85 teams, kind of, we yep. kind of knew each other before. Anyway, and I talked to him about uh, something, and finally I told one of my players, and he wasn't so skillful guy, but and he actually wasn't like um, able to read like whole game kind of how to play five on five or play without puck. And I told him, like I said, can you see this number seventeen? Can you just cover this guy because he is a uh, like whatever he is the most skillful guy in this team. If he's going on ice, you go on ice too. If he's going off ice, you go on whatever too, like on the bench. Even if he goes bathroom, follow him. <laughs> Something <laughs> like this. You know? And actually, he was doing really good his job. And if he covered Phil Castle, Phil didn't get any goals in this game. He got two penalties. He was upset, and they lost game. And we won this game. And I, in how one kid, he made a big difference, kind of. But it's again, it's kind of came from... It's like you have to know kids and give them some special role and make him happy. And after this, he was like, wow, I covered this guy kind of, you know, like uh, probably he remembered this even time. Like I didn't let this guy kind of score 
uh, kind of any goals because he used to score like three, four, five goals like every game. You that's know, a nice, since he was young. That's a nice story. Yeah, and yeah, I, what, I yeah and can, some kids like yeah, some kids yeah, some kids they cannot maybe score, but maybe you can eliminate the best player from the team. Like no, not to play in rough against him, but they just kind of really cover him. Don't let him get the puck and whatever. Something like this. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, Very and cool. it's a different situations kind of. You just have to find a way for every player. Or maybe just give one line, like special, like uh, order, like not to give up any goals. It would be even big success for you guys. If you cannot score, it's okay. But if you don't give up any goals, you know, it would be great for your team too. Yeah, this was my advice, kind of. You know? Awesome. Awesome. Well, one of the other things that I took from playing for you for so many years, and, and I attribute a lot of my success to this, is, uh, and, and we've talked about, Jeff and I, on the podcast all the time about how important it is to, to pass the puck and get open to get it back, and just how hard you're working and how much you're thinking the game in terms of passing and getting open. And that was the biggest thing that aggravated you <laughs> as a coach that I remember is when people would just kind of stand around and, and not move after they, they move the puck. So in terms mm-hmm. of like the passing and in terms of moving away from the puck, like how, how important is that to you? And if you were to tell coaches how important it is and how you can teach that during practice, uh, what, what would you say to them? Uh, it's easy to say, but he actually this year I was coaching uh, kids like uh, whatever in a been a major, but it's they're supposed to kind of already kind of learn like uh, in a hard way, not in a hard way, kind of how to move the puck to get open. It was difficult, you know, it's like or you have to get right kids to be able to do it or willing to do it. And sometimes it's not easy, even you work, work, work on this kind of, but not everybody can get it. Even maybe tougher, you remember, only two kids from our team, like from first year and they finished like third year, only two kids in our team, you and uh, 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 Black, yeah. Ryan Black, only two guys. And uh, yeah, we lost first year, we lost some players, they... Uh, because another guys, uh, I mean, from another team, they got our players. We got some decent players too. But third year, we got the best players because everybody wants to play for us because uh, everybody saw how we're doing. We need some time for development, you know. And this is uh, like uh, how some kids can get it like uh, right away, and they have it right away, like you. Then you made actually uh, our team. You were like uh, last guy to came for tryout for my team, actually, team was already made. I mean, uh, I already kind of, I had only one open spot and your dad brought me, I uh, brought you to my practice and I saw you were like the most skillful guy I've ever seen, kind of, you know. And this is how uh, you coach can transfer his ideas and uh, to another players. We need some players who can execute, he can show something. One guy, next time, another guy doing it, next time, another three guys doing, and this is how you build him. And some guys never able to get to this point, kind of, you know, this is the way how you build team. And people are supposed to be patient with coach, kind of let him do it and let him build team. But uh, unfortunately, sometimes happens like people are not patient and they want to do their kind of own way. And, oh, you cannot do this because kids are not capable to do this stuff. Coach, 
Uh, I think it's uh, the players they're supposed to go up to the coaches level, not coach goes down to some players level. You understand what I mean? Not really. What do you mean by that? I mean, it's like some people, for example, if you're teaching kids like in the class and you have some really weak kids, some average kids and some like advanced kids, and if you start to do like some simple stuff in this class and for most advanced kids, it would be boring. Right. So you don't have to put talented kids to this level kind of, you have to try to work on uh, upper level kind of, you know, more advanced level and let kind of learn something yeah. kids to learn something instead of just make it easy for everybody kind of, you know, and the, the hockey is a, and any sport is competitive kind of, you know, things. And this is what you have to uh, kind of let people kind of compete for everything, not just make it easier. And that. this is what you, sometimes weakest guys, you remember Mike Brown last year, he made our team. He was the last guy who made our team, but he was the first guy who signed an NHL contract. <laughs> yeah. Because, and he probably played yeah, but the longest he, from that team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Longer, yeah. And, longer than anyone else by far. Well, we he was the only right, kid and, that played in the NHL from that team. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, yeah. And it's, again, he wasn't, like, uh, never complaining. He could play offensively, defensively, whatever. This is what his role was, like, to be like in a penalty kill and then later he became fighter kind of, but anyway, he's a great kid and uh, I see him sometimes and we have good conversation. And I told him even then he made it him, uh, he was upset because he was lost. But I said, no, I'm proud of you for fighting because him, they offered him spot kind of, but he said, no, I play, I want to play for Stan's team kind of, you know, it was kind of, and he kind of proved it. He could do it. And what yeah. what year was that, Tove? What age was that? So that 13, was our, no, that was our yeah Bantam major year, and that was Bantam major year. Yes. Where Stan, How old's a Bantam major? They're what fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, something like that. So he's the yeah, we'll fu- we'll fourteen. Yeah, right. Bantam major. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's the last pick at fourteen years old, and three years later, he's playing for NTDP U.S. National Development Program. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So yes. Like, develop get better every day. I mean, he was one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. I mean, I didn't play with him, but I saw him when I'd come practice with you guys and at select 15 and 16, I played with him, played against him. Like he's one of the hardest workers ever. And he's the last pick at 14, three years later, he's playing for the best possible team you can play for in the United States. So like parents listen to that, hear that it happens all the time. We just did an episode about Tyler parks who was playing junior varsity high school in St. Louis as a junior and that is terrible hockey if you're trying to go to like pro like it's just you know it's 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 great for those kids but for tyler to be in the ahl and playing jv as a junior it's insane but it's an testament to development and just getting better every day well i think it goes back to it too you're always going to have on a team and especially at the youth level you're going to have certain kind of tiers of players you're going to have your best players your middle and then you're going to have your lower ones so making sure that the kids that are at that lower end is like a Mikey Brown or a Tyler Parks because those are the ones that are going to get better. 
because when Stan's asking him to do things or when any coach is asking him to do things, they're going to try and do it to the best of their ability, even though, like Stan was saying, if you want to coach towards the top half of the team to make sure that those kids are being challenged, you have to have those younger kids who are going to fail and need to work a little bit harder. Those have to be kind of in their DNA to be able to help the team and for those kids to get better because we all see it as youth coaches. There's going to be kids that are at the bottom end of the talent pool and some of them like to work and some of them don't, (laughs) you know, and some of them are at the bottom end of the talent pool because they don't work and some of them are at the bottom end of the talent pool because God didn't bless them with the certain gifts that they gifted to the the more developed players. And so I think that's really, really important, especially for parents to hear too, because if their kid is the one that maybe isn't getting the ice time or is struggling, really watch them and watch, don't just watch their execution, but watch their, their, their work ethic. Because if they're not working at it, then you have no right as a parent to say, hey, why isn't my kid playing or, you know, accusing anybody of anything if, if it's an effort thing, you know? So I just think that's really interesting, Stan, that you talk about it in that way. And uh, I think it's fantastic advice for, for anybody, parents, coaches, or players. And Mike Brown's a perfect example, perfect example, hardest working kid. And, and just for backstory and Jeff, that we've, we've talked about this on the podcast before Mike Brown made the team on a one-on-one tryout. The entire team was picked. And then it was, it was uh, Mikey Brown and Jimmy Hoffman. They got on the ice one-on-one, everybody else was watching him. And it was for that last, that last spot on the team. And Mikey just kind of out took Jimmy in that. And Jimmy's an awesome dude. And, um, but you know, Mike was obviously better and it, I can't imagine Stan, you would get away with that nowadays with the way that the parents are and just having a one-on-one, but it's just, I mean, Mikey, again, last pick of the team at 14 and two years later, he's playing on the national development team and all because of his work ethic. It's amazing. And at the same time, I want to add something. Uh, but some players, you talk to players and maybe they think they're criticizing, but you want to make them better. It's kind of criticizing. At the same time, you have to give them kind of uh, advice how to do better. And some guys, you just start to talk whatever Mike, Jim, whatever kind of call name, and said, you start to talk to this kid, he already said, oh, I wasn't there. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I said, I didn't even finish my sentence. You don't even know what I'm going to say. You already tried to find some excuse. You know, and like whatever, or even some parents come in after game and start why you, whatever, do something, whatever, kind of or bench my kid or something like this. Even some, uh, some parents come into the bench during the game. You know, like try to kind of uh, convince you to do something. You know, and it just, and kids like uh, see like how parents, they kind of, uh, do, I mean, kind of try to uh, not encourage their kids, but kind of, uh, I mean, uh, support kind of their kids, but it's in the wrong way. Yeah. In, uh, you know, whatever you, sometimes you say, control the park and parents yell and not dump the park or shoot the park. No, <laughs> look at your uh, player, like whatever, look at your players, like, yeah, make some good plays instead of just dump it or shoot the puck like this, like this kind of, you know. <laughs> and this what about patience and about involvement and appearance and uh, whatever. And it's parents they not doing good job for their kids if they don't allow a coach to coach and criticize maybe when kids can make them better kind of. They don't like challenge. Yeah. Yeah, and, and 
this case, whatever, what can we do? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh man, that's funny. Well, I want to circle back because the, the last year that I played for you with, with CYA, the year that we won the national championship, I mean, that was just a special, special year. And there were so many things that led up to it from the fact that, you know, we weren't very good the first two years that I played for you. We didn't have the most talented team, but then we started beating the team that had the most talent and they were like, what's going on over there? We should probably go play with that team. So eventually our third year, you had the best players in Chicago, all of the best players in Chicago playing for you. Um, what was that like to be able to coach that high level of talent? And then what was the experience like for you as you kind of went through that year? Um, and I have so many questions that I want to ask you as follow-ups to this <laughs> that we'll get to, but just as a general question, what was it like to be able to coach that kind of talent, uh, and be able to do it your way and coach how you wanted to coach them? Well, this is, uh, I think this is, first of all, it's a challenge for coach to coach best kids. From one side, if you got best kids, and it's looked like, oh, okay, we got best kids, we can take it easy or whatever. And if you remember, I was challenging you guys all the time. The most hardest part was going to, if I'm going to game and play against some teams, uh, I would say, okay, teams. And it was my biggest uh, challenge was, what should I do like? to challenge my team kind of make them kind of work hard because after like five, six goals and like, it looks like everybody stopped playing. Your team stopped playing because it's not fun. And another team stopped playing because it's like big score. It's like running time. And if you remember, I tried to develop some things kind of for like, we pulled goalies sometimes, you know, I know I was upsetting another coaches or just even one time. It's probably one of the, and fun stories kind of then I sent my first line five guys upstairs and work with your dad like in uh, upstairs and kind of we had only nine players on ice then a second period another five guys went upstairs working uh, uh, like whatever off ice training kind of you know you were so tired and you were like uh, play some double shifts and we were barely won this game like maybe 5-3 or something like this we could beat this team maybe by 8-9 goals but I want to guys you really work hard and this what uh, how you develop kind of how you challenge again your best players if you don't challenge them kind of they were not they were not getting better every time like instead of make it easier you try to make it more harder for your team Kind of, uh, you really, this was my advice kind of to work with the best players. You have to challenge them more. God gave them talent. You have to ask more from these guys, I love you know, that. and, uh, yeah, I love and that's that. it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I remember those games and those games were not easy. I mean, yeah, you know, you're, you're doing dry land, uh, upstairs for the first period and then you're going down and you're playing the next two periods with basically two lines and three D, uh, based upon who was every line, every period, it would be a different line and a different D pair that was going up to, uh, to play. And it was like, it was an amazing experience having to do that because, it, it challenged you mentally. It challenged you physically. Um, but it also like, it, it kind of brought our team together. I feel like, because w- what are you going to get out of winning a game by six, seven goals? You're not going to get anything out of that. But the fact that we were pushed to our limit, uh, it was just, it's incredible. And I think that's such a good thing for all young kids to hear, uh, especially the ones that maybe not 
don't want to be coached as hard. I mean, we were coached. It was fun, but we were coached hard and we were pushed outside our comfort zone. And that's the only way that you get better is, is being able to do that. And Stan, we got so much out of that because of it. But also, depending on the age, obviously, I'm not talking about 10 year olds, like kids, like you can't always expect your coach to make it fun. Like you got to at a certain age, maybe 13, 14, if you're getting serious about hockey, you got to make it fun for yourself. You got to come and bring that energy every day. Like you got to come and and internally have fun. And if your coach isn't a coach that's making every drill a competition, I've said it before, like start a competition with your teammates yourself. Go up to another guy who's of similar skill as you or maybe a better goal scorer than you. Say, hey, today we're going to count every goal we score in practice. And whoever loses, the other guy's got to untie a skate. So we'll buy you a, a, a water or a Powerade or a Gatorade or whatever, protein bar or whatever, or a ghost supplement called uh, ripped RIPT if you want a discount. You know, whatever. <laughs> it's just, it's just whatever you want to do. Um, but, like, make it fun for yourself, too, and challenge yourself to get better. Don't always wait for others to challenge you to get better. Take it upon yourself. I agree 100%, Jeff. Yeah, this is way how to make better players. And even I used to work with goalies, for example, like, uh, too, like, because I was a goalie. And, uh, Every time I say, okay, whatever, like, Mike, best of five, I will score, like, three goals, it's a tie. If I score four goals, you will do five up and downs, for example, in uh, with goalie pads. If I score less, I will do five push-ups or ten push-ups. And every time you're challenging yourself, not just shooting the puck, oh, okay, whatever, kind of. Yeah, and it's kind of... Anyway, especially I, in my age kind of now, I like to work with younger kids even more. And uh, I feel like uh, I'm better with younger kids now. First of all, uh, they're not so spoiled by bad habits, I would say. Because some kids that have bad habits, and it's really hard to break bad habits like in uh, uh, like whatever older age kind of, you know, like they're 14, 15 years old, 8, 9, 10 years old, uh, kind of the kids so flexible, so kind of like uh, uh, clay kind of, you know, like you can mold them in a different shape kind of easily. Well, younger, I mean, older guys, it's a little bit difficult to do it, and especially they got some bad habits. It's hard to break it. Yeah, and but it's, again, it's for me, it's no problem to find some way how to challenge kids and make it fun, more fun kind of, you know, like this is what actually my coaching kind of philosophy just every practice try to make kind of uh to have fun not to make fun but to have fun kind of you know from practice it's even i remember tony kasman after we won nationals in here on newspaper he said the coach then let us kind of practice by ourselves it's kind of and my ex-wife she said oh this is kind of a little bit embarrassing to you i said no this is the best kind of like uh acknowledge you kind of I look like I let kids do whatever they want to do but I kind of keep them in a leash a little bit kind of you know sometimes let them do right things kind of correct them finally even maybe Toffer you remember like last game we played nationals and I said guys just go nice and have fun and we just work unleashed kind of kind of puppies you were like having fun moving the park and uh, beat this team nine to one and like uh, whatever in championship game i think it's never happened not before not after kind of yeah nine to one yeah, championship game that was pretty uh pretty insane i think it was like six nothing going into the uh 
into the third period. Shrempy was on that team. Robbie Shremp was on the team we beat, and uh, and right, Justin, yeah. Justin Brown was on the team, and um, just kind of exactly. kind of crazy now being up here near Syracuse. The fact that we beat them, so got some bragging rights. Got some bragging rights. Oh, and, es- <laughs> and especially maybe you remember, like you were like shaving head to your dad after game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And anyway, you spent and you spent some about uh, thirty minutes in the locker room having fun. Then we came out from locker room. And parents from opposite team were staying and waiting for us and gave us applause, kind of, you know. You thought kind of really the respect, I like what we did, kind of, because we got only one penalty during the game, and we had really good game, and even opposite parents came to thank us for this great game. This is what kind of, I think, most rewarding kind of part, because usually people hate you if you won, kind of. But in this uh, kind of... This time, parents came from another team and just kind of to kind of really appreciate uh, what they saw, like, oh, nice, even they were they lost. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Well, Sam, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, and this is something I honestly, I don't even remember very much, but I, I go to youth games now and I see these kids at these such young of ages playing the trap and doing systems and it's almost <clears throat> like robotic type stuff. Um, and, and I don't remember doing any of that with you. Um, I don't remember even having like set power plays or set penalty kills of what we did. I think it was all just you kind of letting us read and react on certain things. I could be wrong, but when it comes to that, you know, do you see that a lot in the youth rings too, where it's just all so structured at such a young age and, and how do you kind of teach that creativity versus the, um, versus the system structure type, type of hockey? There is no question. So, like, I hate this kind of system, especially in youth hockey, kind of, you know. And uh, definitely you teaching kids, like, whatever, to be creative, first of all, read and react. And uh, definitely from this point, kind of uh, play your game. I remember when we played second year, we played in Canada. And uh, Tanakatsuba told me this kind of story. Then we played against uh, Toronto. And... uh, we were kind of team, not so big players, kind of, you know, and Canadians they were like making fun of our team. And he was uh, staying with parents, like with Canadian uh, parents. And finally, we were shorthanded. And uh, I told you guys, I said, you guys just whatever, I don't care, you shorthanded or whatever, just attack them. And we started to play shorthanded. And another parents from... Uh, uh, Canadian team, they were saying, oh, look at these guys. They don't even know how to play shorthanded, kind of, you know. And finally, we scored a goal, and we won 5-1, to one, and <laughs> later they said, oh, you probably have Russian coach, kind of, you know. <laughs> because he's doing everything differently, kind of, you know. And he was like, he said like it was fun to stay with, because these parents, they didn't know this guy from Chicago, kind of, you know, like a parent. And he was listening to all these kind of comments. And this is what, yeah, exactly, read and react, and it's kind of whatever, and you kind of, you know, play by ear, kind of, you know, what happens, happens, kind of, you know, and if you have opportunity, you can score a lot of shorthanded goals, and uh, sometimes if you play against a really good team, you've got to be more uh, kind of, you know, uh, like, uh, have more kind of structure, kind of, but at the same time, 
to teach kids like seven, eight years old, like nine, like to teach like whatever power play through hand that I just kind of stand, I cannot stand it kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, because some kids, they cannot barely catch the puck or move the puck and control the puck and the teaching system kind of and whatever. I just cannot stand it, yeah. I totally agree. And I would even take it even older, like maybe even up to like 13, 14, like maybe a, a, a little bit of quote unquote structure or ideas, but like, let them, let them figure it out. Let, I mean, obviously teach them like, Hey, you know, this is show them video clips. This is kind of how a lot of teams do it. Kind of where you want to be, but like, let them try. And if they fail, who cares? teach them why they failed. Let them try again. People are so quick to be like, all right, we're going to let, we're going to let this happen. And then they get scored on or they lose a game or two games. And then, oh my God, parents are freaking out. Kids are freaking out. We're losing. Oh my God. Let's right, I'm right. Gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to write down every little detail. I'm going to control you. Like I'm a video, I'm playing a video game and you're, you're under my remote control. I'm going to tell you where to be. And it's the same thing with coaches. You yell from the bench, the whole game. You know, like, hey, get him, get him. No, I try not to say anything because I want them to figure it out. If I'm yelling the whole game, they don't have to think. They're just listening for me to tell them where to go. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have to yell at kids. Sometimes tell, hey, pick up this guy, whatever, something. Yeah, sometimes you can't give advice. You cannot be quiet all the time. At the same time, yeah, even if he makes mistakes, usually I say, if you want to make a mistake, make it make it quick, make it fast, because everybody knows you're making mistake and you can be supported by your player, uh, your teammate. But if you like, uh, 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 should I go or not? Whatever kind of, and nobody knows what you're going to do. Like if you make a mistake and it's kind of like uh, try to make it fast, it's the same try to try to fix it fast kind of, or maybe your teammates can help you to fix mistake. Once again, it's like game. Is uh, yeah, it's like whatever who makes uh, more or less mistakes. Even Gretzky, uh, I remember one time they were like uh, doing this test, kind of how many give ups and whatever. It's so funny. Gretzky had uh, one of the worst records <laughs> because he's giving up puck so often too, but he was getting puck too and creative a lot of stuff. It's same like if you, I would prefer like to have score like eight to six instead of one nothing. It's like I would love to score more goals and give up more goals instead of just play really strict game kind of you know. And uh, in this case, it's first of all this is a fun game. It should be fun for kids. For we're an entertaining business. We have to entertain people, kind of you know by action, score a lot of goals, and. Make some good move. Uh, make some good moves instead of just make some boring and uh, dump and chase or whatever. Some stuff kind of you know it's boring. I usually I say even Russian bears can do it like just dump the puck, but create <laughs> something you know with the puck. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. No, okay, no, no, love it. I'm getting smarter from listening to you, so this is yeah. amazing. I didn't get to play for you in a national championship team, so this is awesome. Um, but I think maybe that that comes from fear. And and Tolf wrote an unbelievable uh, piece on fear in hockey and coaching and all that. Mm -hmm. so anyone who hasn't read that, they should definitely go to the Hockey Think Tank website and read that. And I'm not just saying that because Tolf's my cousin and I love the dude. It's like actually, no, no, I read it. Actually, I read this article. Yeah, it's so yeah, good. It's a great it's one. So yeah 
something mm-hmm. I see on a day-to-day basis from coaching is in practice. You know, I tell a kid to try and shoot and stride. And for younger players, that's hard. It's not easy. And they, they, they quote unquote fail, they mess up. And then they go back, they revert back to not shooting in stride, setting their feet, doing something easier. And then I got to go up to them and I just, Hey, I don't care if you mess up. I don't care if you mess up for the next three months, as long as you're trying your hardest and you're kind of learning it, how to do it and, and getting the kinks out, you will get it down and you will get better. But if I go to him after the fifth day and say, Hey, it's not working. Let's make it easier on you. They're not going to develop. They're not going to get better. And it's the same thing with mistakes in games. When a kid makes a mistake and then he looks up in the air and he screams the F word or he slams a stick, we got to get that out of the kids. As soon as you make that mistake, who cares? On to the next play. You're going to make it up. Right. We'll watch video. We'll talk about it. When you get back to the bench, we'll learn from it and we'll get better. Don't fear messing up. It's part of the game. I tell them, Hey, like you just said about Gretzky, Hey, who's your favorite player? They'll tell me whoever it is. I'll look up however much money he makes. All right. That dude's making $9 million this year and he makes mistakes every single day he's on the ice. So why do you think at 16 years old being paid $0, actually paying $20,000 to play hockey? Yeah. You're paying 20. Why do you think that you're so good? You can't make a mistake. It's going to happen no matter who you are. It's okay. Well, that goes back to the coaches too. And the kind of environment that you're that you're sending for the kids too. Cause if they're f- afraid to make a mistake because of how you're going to come down on them, I mean, that's a lot of that is on the coach. And one of the things that I always do with, with my teams, and this is, I think from the youth all the way up to, to even the oldest ages is I think you really, really, really focus on and make sure back checking is a priority because if you're going to allow the team to make mistakes, you want them to be creative. You want to tr- you want them to try things. You want them to make plays they're going to make mistakes. So the, so when you do that, again, Stan, it's kind of like what you said, how can you fix it quickly? <laughs> and yeah. that's by, by getting mm-hmm. back and making sure you're, you're really focusing and putting a lot of value into getting back and back checking. Not only is that going to help from a hockey standpoint, but I think from a team standpoint, that's one of those like um, team things, sacrifice things that makes any team good and buy-in and things like that. So for all the coaches out there, really, really allow the kids to make plays, but also there is a consequence if you if you make a mistake in the fact that the other team now has the puck and they're coming to play offense now. So how quickly can you back, get back, and how much do you value getting back on the back check? So that's just one thing that I think could allow coaches to maybe allow their kids to do a little bit more in terms of being creative and making plays. Love it. It's a good point. It's a good point, Topher. Uh, you mentioned about back check because some guys are worried about their own goals, kind of. Okay, I scored a goal today, even two goals. Said, yeah, you scored two goals, but you, uh, we give up like four. Your line give up four goals. <laughs> it's about plus minus. Some players are kind of okay. I score like whatever one two goals, and like, but you give up like your lines because you're selfish. You're going by yourself. And you don't use your partners, and you don't back check. But uh, team lost, and your line is lost. Uh, lost kind of. It's so funny. I just uh, kind of. I remember your dad was um, kind of making uh, stats. Uh, how many goals uh, the, our whatever players score like during the games, and he divided like in uh, three levels. Kind of, we played against weak teams. Good teams, I mean, okay teams, and really good teams. And it's so funny, Toffer, you score most of goals you scored like in uh, tough games, kind of, you know, against Honeybaked, Campuware, whatever kind of good teams. 
And against the good, I mean, maybe not so strong teams, you did make so many like goals because you were worried about make pass to your partners, whatever kind of make them be kind of happy. And this what uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you can't be any good in the stats, but your team is not doing well. You know, so and some guys are, some guys are like uh, really like team players. Even I was reading a, a book of uh, Phil Jackson about uh, secret, uh, uh, loops. Hoops, yeah. Se- secret hoops. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And he was uh, started head coach and he asked Michael Jordan, he said, Michael, I want you shoot less. Said, coach, what are you talking about? This kind of, you know, said, yeah, because everybody knows you're the best player, but in uh, covering you and uh, you kind of try to distribute balls to your teammates because they're open. And he still scored a lot of uh, whatever points. At the same time, he was really true, like team player. And this is what kind of, if you have players, like Topher, for example, he can really play for the team. He doesn't care about his own record, but the record will come anyway. Yeah. And in this case, yeah, like back check, yeah, play good defense. And uh, at the same time, you know, you can score goal and make your teammates uh, uh, better. About yeah. Big Spoon, you remember this story, Big Spoon? It's so funny. I literally just wrote this down as we were talking about uh, the team aspect of it because you used to tell this story all the time, Jeff. This story is unbelievable. Stan, can you tell? Can you tell the Big Spoon story? I think I will cry again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. No, it's kind of yeah. It's about yeah. It's about it's like kind of uh, a story. Kind of one man. He died, and he was in the. I mean, uh, he met Saint Peter, and Saint Peter told him, "Okay, I will show you the hell." They came to the big house, and it was big table, and it was a lot of good food and wine, and uh, and the people not happy. And uh, this man asked Saint Peter, "Why people not happy?" He said, "Because they have three lo- three foot long spoons they couldn't eat by themselves." Oh, okay, I got it. And say, "Now I will show you the heaven." They went to the same kind of house, same like uh, table decorated with great food and wine, and still like three foot long spoons. He said, "Why these people are happy?" He said, "Because they're feeding each other." This is what how we played like hockey, and uh, then I was coaching Toffer's team. We feed each other. We kind of like try to make each other better instead of just try to eat by themselves. Kind of, you know, this is what kind of philosophy. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I remember that story. It's, it's so interesting that you said that because about 10 minutes ago, I, I completely, like, I just wrote it down to make sure that I asked you to, to, to say that because it is, I mean, that's, that's what youth sports is all about. I mean, there's a very, very small fraction of kids uh, that are going to make it to whatever level, you know, uh, college hockey pro, whatever. But those kinds of things, learning to, to, to play as a team, learning to play together, learning how to handle adversity. Stan, you were talking about pushing us out of, outside of our comfort zone and, and uh, helping us to be competitive. Like Those are all things that you can 
use in your life. That's what youth sports is all about. It's not about making it to a certain level. It's not about stu- – like we talk about the national championship uh, and winning the national championship at Bantams, and that was such a great thing. But if we didn't win the national championship, we still had a hell of an experience. Made friends for life, um, was challenged, learned things about myself, got better. And those are the things that really matter, and those are the things that really get lost in, in a lot of youth sports today and specifically youth hockey because that's what we see all the time. So I just – stories like that, that's what coaches need to do more of storytelling about life lessons and teaching life lessons because you know we're developing people very few are going to be pros in in hockey but they're going to be pros in other things in their life whatever profession they end up going into and um stan you you helped us to to learn so much about those kinds of things and and we can't thank you enough and we we even still talk stan i mean you probably don't know this but our, our 85 group that we have you know i still keep in touch with a lot of those guys i'm sure every single one of them is going to listen to this podcast and we we have so many unbelievable memories whether it was that team that won the national championship or whether it was the team that we we weren't very good at the beginning in our first couple of years so uh it's uh, it's really cool stuff and um even mikey letizia he's been on the podcast so i remember you have i'm sure you have fond memories of of him too michael guys michael do somersaults <laughs> we still we still talk like that honestly when we talk to each other we still talk like that i talk to him all the time so um this has been so so cool to have you on the podcast and should we remind jeff again before we let you go stan that we used to kick the crap out of him without a goalie Hey, hey, yeah. Toe, what did Stan say on the pre-show? What did he say? Oh, Who's yeah, go sport? ahead. No, that's true. Go, Stan, tell the story about Jeff when you saw him make the move that apparently I couldn't do. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it was in the Minneapolis in the St. Cloud, and we had this, uh, I think, 15 select team. And uh, Jeff played in our team. It was actually Ryan Suter and Paul Shaston. We had really in Almontaya. We had really kind of talented team. And I remember Jeff scored goal against, I don't remember what team, but he scored goal between legs, kind of moved the puck between legs and shoot puck. And actually shoot puck really kind of high, you know, almost like uh, kind of upstairs, kind of, you know, like under bar. And I was like, wow. This kid, like, <laughs> really good, kind of. You know, it's fun to, you know, coach the good kids and it's skillful kids. And you still, even you played against these guys and they played with you next time, and it's kind of still good memory. I remember I was with Panarin three years ago with Black Axe, and, uh, and I met these guys, Ryan Suter, after they played Minnesota or like. Uh, Dustin Brown, the LA played. I, I saw Dustin and I said, Dustin, you remember me? He looked at me like, hey. No way. <laughs> he Seriously? Remembers, like, yes, right. yes, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of, yeah. And then we were talking a little bit too. Yeah. And then Mike Brown played for, um, uh, for Sharks. And I talked to Mike after practice, their practice. And I, yeah, I actually talked to some guys uh, after game, kind of, I had, uh, kind of, kind of, you know, this opportunity to see these great guys in a life kind of, you know, yeah. And I was uh, really, remember like how we played against Red Army team and people sometimes thinking, oh, he's Russian, but there was something like this. It's more fun to coach against your own country kind of, you know, then we played the Red Army team and they were kind of, you know, we beat them eight to three. And one goal we scored, like it was like one touch kind of, four paces like in a row boom 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 and we score goal and both coaches look at each other kind of like oops 
kind of enough to game. And I said, guys, guys, uh, and I knew these guys kind of, you know, they played ball for national team. And I said, guys, come over like in the spring, we'll do a tournament for you. I said, okay. And I said, 85 team said, they look at each other kind of, what are you talking? I said, what are you talking? I said, we are, we have 84 teams. We didn't even know they were one year older, wow. Red Army team. Can't imagine because we played like really kind of like a Red Army style and beat them. Like this was more fun for me. <laughs> like whatever you country go, like I coached in Estonia and we were beating Russian teams. I was so happy. And even the Red Army team one time we beat 3 nothing. Then the best players like Bure and Krivokrasov and seven guys played for a junior national team for Russia and we beat them 3 nothing. even though I was shot us probably 60 to 6 we were able to beat this team kind of because played good defense and goalie was great anyway it was you know it's fun kind of to coach against uh, your own kind of whatever like uh, country and whatever that's so that's, that's unreal. yeah guys thank you for inviting me and it was fun to like kind of remember this all these stories even if I got some stuff and kind of you remind me of something kind of I'm so glad you remember this absolutely no, it was an amazing time and, and we can't thank you enough for coming on I can't thank you enough I consider you the best coach that I've ever had and the fact that no, uh, you, you. you just I mean and I've played for some pretty freaking good coaches too so but uh, no you, I know <laughs> in my you know in my in my formative years let's call them what was it 13 to 16 or 12 to 14 I don't remember what how old I was but I mean he had such an influence on us such an influence on my dad and my entire family so we can't thank you for thank we can't thank you enough for all that you've done for us and we wish you nothing but success moving forward and uh, like I said you've been the most requested person to get on this podcast we talk about you all the time very cool to be able to get you on here so our listeners can uh, can hear it straight from you thank you guys all right take care Stan thanks all right, thanks. Okay, bye-bye.